Hey guys, feel free to take a seat. Thanks for coming today. Like Caleb said, my name's Adam. I'm a member here. I'm a community group leader here. Um, so we're in the middle of a series called Sent right now. This is the sixth one, the last one in the series. Um, so today we're going to talk about how to live our lives on God's mission, practically. Um, God's call on us is to go and make disciples of all the world. And one of the things that we call that is living life on God's mission in the world. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what that means practically. To, what do, how do we even do that? How do we even, what do we even do when God says he's calling us to go live on his mission? Do we just pick up like a we buy gold sign and, and choose a street corner and start spinning it? No. In case you were getting excited about that. Um, it's not that. Um, you know, life on mission is a big category, and today we're going to talk a little bit about how to do that. Now, um, before we kind of jump into that, I just want to address, if you're, if you're a Christian here today, um, and you brought a friend who's a non-Christian, and you just heard me say we're going to be talking about life on mission, you're kind of like, mm, I don't, okay, I brought my friend today, hopefully it's not weird. And maybe if you're not a Christian, you're like, oh, I knew it, these culty weirdos. Trying to get more people into their culty club. Okay, but before we go, let's talk, all right? Hang on, before we go there. If, if we as Christians, if for us, life with Jesus is the greatest joy that we could possibly imagine, we've experienced that. We've experienced his grace when we've made mistakes, his comfort in suffering. We think that heaven and hell are real places, and we take them seriously. If, if we as Christians believe all that, wouldn't it be weird to not want to talk about that? Wouldn't it be weird? Um, there's a guy named Penn Gillette. You might have heard of him. He is part of Penn and Teller. Um, they're magicians in Vegas. Pretty good, actually, too. Penn, on the guy on the left, is like a known atheist. He's like a vocal atheist. And, um, you know, as I was preparing for this sermon, I came across this video of him. It's like a video diary on his phone that he just posted on YouTube. You can look it up. And he's talking about this experience that he had with this guy um, who came up to him after one of his magic shows and like gave him a Bible and talked to him. And let's see, uh, let's see what he has to say about that. I don't respect people that don't proselytize. Proselytize just meaning, you know, to make a case, an argument for, you know, trying to persuade somebody of a point of view, oftentimes religious. I don't respect people that don't proselytize. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell, or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? This guy was a really good guy. He was polite, honest, Insane. <laughs> I love that he has that. And he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a Bible. So, um, you know, I bring up this story for two reasons. One, to just kind of demonstrate that, it, you know, if we're not, if this is something, if, if our faith isn't something that we're so excited about, that we want to share and we're craving to share it and bring other people into it, it's weird to not do that. And, and beyond that, I also wanted to bring this up because as we're talking about living life, on mission, it's a broad category, a lot of things are involved in that, orienting our life around the mission of God. Who is this guy that, that says this to Penn? What did he, what did he, how did he kind of decide to do that? Did he, did he plan around it? Did he know about Penn? He clearly knew he was an atheist. He had wrote something in a Bible and thought about him at least to come up 
beforehand, maybe prayed about it, and who is this guy, and, and kind of what, what are maybe the things that went through his mind before he did this? So, maybe for you, uh, you're in a place where you're not doing this. You're in a place where, you know, it freaks you out, and to be honest, you're not excited about it, even though maybe you know, especially on sermon number six and sent, that maybe the Bible is teaching us this and calling us to this. Um, and, and you're, but you're just hesitant about it. I, I want to encourage you today to open your hearts to what God has for you. And there's a reason that he has this for you. God doesn't need you to save people. He never has. But who is this God that he involves us in it and sends us out into his harvest? Um, and maybe you are doing this. Maybe you're, you're being thoughtful about this, and I want to encourage you. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the places where the Bible teaches us some things on it. So, but let's start with why we don't do it. Let's start there. Oh, why don't we live on God's mission? So the first place we're going to go, this is not going to be an exhaustive list, but some common things that I think we find and that the Bible talks about. So the first one is this, Luke 22, 54 to 62, if you want to open your Bibles into this. And this is Peter's denial. Peter's been with Christ for almost three years, and he's seen all these things. And in the, the moment where Christ is going to the cross, he denies him. This is what this passage is about. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man was also with him. I always picture this girl as like a Girl Scout, like at a table, like selling cookies. And Peter goes, and, she, and then she says, This man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Like, he just crumbles. Okay? Um, and a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is a quintessential example of us and Peter fearing somebody's opinions. This is the first thing we're going to talk about. Our fear of other people's opinions and what's going to happen if we step out and do this? I think this is one of the most common ones. We even see Peter do it. And Jesus said that he was going to build his church on Peter. And Peter does it. So my question to us is this. Have you ever had a moment like this? Have you ever had a moment where you've had the chance to live an intentional life, even just an instance of talking to somebody or even just thinking about it more broadly, inviting your community into it, but... You, you pump the brakes because you're scared. Um, have you ever had a moment like that? Um, you know, maybe it's more innocuous than that. Maybe it's not that you didn't use this chance that you had. Maybe you're at work, and if, if one day your boss is like, raise your hand if you're a Christian, and, you know, people are raising their hands, and you raise your hand, and everybody looks at you and goes, what, really? Like, maybe it's, it's so undercover that nobody even knows that you're a Christian. So what is it for you? Does this, is this something that you feel like God's bringing up for you? Um, 
Our next one is this. Our hearts love our rights and our comforts. Um, and we don't want to give them up. So next we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 27. This is a passage about Paul and the extent to which he's willing to go for the gospel and bringing the gospel to people, removing obstacles, how far this guy is willing to go. So let's read through this here. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So at the core of this passage here is Paul's willingness to give up his comforts, to give up his rights. Even in the greater context of this passage, he's talking about his, he gives up his right to, to a salary, just so, in, in, case it, in case it causes, a, in case it's an obstacle for somebody. He gives it all up just that they might come to the gospel. So, um, so, so let's look back at this part here. I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. This is Paul's heart position in this. How much do we struggle with this? Like, even with just our weekends, our nights after work, we're, we're planning, we're having fun, man. This is America. We do what we want. And we're at, like, at the weekend, we're going skiing. We're booking it wall to wall. But, and, and we're so focused on our own selves and our own comforts in this that oftentimes we don't do this. Maybe for you, it's, it's different types of people. Paul says that he does this for all people. Like, he, all kinds of people are involved. Um, maybe you're not comfortable hanging out with people that aren't like you. Um, maybe it's a financial thing. Like, if we're talking about life on mission. It's, it's a great opportunity to bless people financially. And maybe you're not down. Um, time, it takes thought. Like, we have to carve out parts of our life to do this. These are all certain things that are our comforts, our preferences, that are barriers. Um, so, the last one um, is another opposite of what we see from Paul here. Um, and it's this, uh, apathy. Um, so, I think this is also a result of our context. So, like, even with Peter, his life's on the line. Paul, his life's on the line. These guys are Christians, right, as it's beginning. People are dying, okay? But for us here in the United States, our lives aren't necessarily on the line. So, we're allowed to live in this, like, netherverse of like, well, I can be a Christian and not die. So it's kind of like this fertile ground for like apathy of not kind of being all in, whereas back then it wasn't necessarily the case. Um, so we start to say things like, does the Bible really teach this though? Do I really have to, do I really have to do this? Um, you know, well, I mean, what can I really do about it anyway? Isn't God sovereign in this? Uh, for my wife and I, we, I mean, we didn't do this for years. We didn't live on God's mission for years. And for us, it was apathy and comfort that were like the main things that kind of were the barriers for us. So my question to you is this. 
these last things that we talked about, these barriers, why we don't live on God's mission, the fear of other people's opinions, your own comforts, you're just not willing to give that up, or just, it, maybe this is like the first time you heard this in the past couple of months, and you're just kind of like, I mean, I, have, I just don't really care about that. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, whatever. Are some of these things, is the Spirit speaking to you about some of these things that he wants to address here today? Um, and while we can't fix this on our own, the good news is that we have a loving God who can and wants to. Which brings us to this next question. What do we need to live on God's mission? What do we, how do we get past those things? Um, and the answer is you need what Paul had. We see how Paul is in regards to mission. You need to love the mission, and you need to love the mission giver, Jesus. Look, when a, when a mom first has a baby, what's the first thing she does? I asked somebody this the other day, and they were like, sleep? I was like, I, okay, yeah, sleep's best probably first. What's the next thing she does? The answer is pull out her phone and post a million pictures of that baby on social media. That's the next thing that she does. And so my question is, did somebody teach her to do this? Somebody teach her? Did she go to a class and be like, after you have a baby, you know, you need to post. You need to let people know how excited you are. No. She just does it because she loves the baby. Dads, you do this too. I'm not going to. Well, maybe you do. I don't see it a lot on social media, so you need to step up your game. But... Um, but no, she's not worried necessarily about other people's opinions. My baby, month one. My baby, month two. My baby, month three. My baby's first poop. Oh, wow, this is amazing. Like, it's just, it, it just flows out of them because they love that baby, and they know how to act. Um, I, uh, I met a hunter the other day, and we talked about hunting for like three hours. And uh, the guy was so, he loved it so much. And we were talking about it, and he was telling me this story about uh, you know, he, he says, like, during hunting season, he just disappears into the woods for, like, four months. And I was like, whoa. And, and he's like, he's like, he said this one time he came across this deer, and the deer was, like, from him to that piano. And he was like, and he stopped because the deer didn't see him. And then for three hours, he just moved at, like, .001 miles an hour for three hours towards the deer. And, like, like when was the last time you moved five feet in three hours and loved it, okay? <laughs> the answer's probably never. And, you know, and he didn't, like, he wasn't walking like, oh, this is going to take forever. He was walking. He was like, yes, I can't wait. Like, he was pumped to find this. I don't even know if he got the deer. But he just told me about how he, how he, he loved it. And, and you know what? Like, do you think it's uncomfortable to be out in the woods for four months? Do you think it's uncomfortable to be standing around and, like, barely moving? Got to go to the bathroom and, like, no, no, it's not worth it. You know? Like, it's... He loves hunting, and that was easy for him. And he's looking for those chances to do it. Um, <laughs> it also makes it easy to, to go into difficult situations, maybe scary situations, when you love something. Um, my, as many of you know, my wife and I do foster care. And like when, you, uh, when you first sign up for foster care, they, they give you this list. They're like, okay, what are the things that you're willing to take? And it's all these check boxes, right? First one. Are you willing to take a kid that throws tantrums? My wife and I are like, yeah, that's, I mean, they've probably been through a lot of trauma. Like, yeah, of course. Tick. Next one. Are you willing to take kids that are fire starters? <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I mean, I liked starting fires when I was a kid. That's not really that weird. Like, we can contain that. Like, that's, that's a normal thing. Bring on the fire starters. The last one. 
you willing to take a kid that smears poop? And I was like, what? Why? Nobody wins. Why are you smearing? That doesn't make any sense. And, and you know, you're freaking out thinking, about, when is this going to happen? Is it the first kid that I'm going to get to start smearing poop? But you know what? You know what we ticked on the poop smearing box? Yes. You know why? Because we love those kids. Bring on the poop smears. We're ready. Bring them all on. Send them out all at once. Um, it, you're, it gives you longevity. Loving something like this gives you longevity. You're willing to go into uncomfortable situations. And my point is this. When you love something like this, you do whatever it takes to make it a priority. And your life on mission will never exceed your love for Jesus. It will never exceed it. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 9, 23. What causes Paul to do this? What causes him to be like this? Let's see what he says. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that, that I might share with them in its blessings. It's a love for the gospel that drives Paul. It's a love for the gospel. So how do we love the gospel? How do we do that? How do we get there the way that Paul is there? Um, well, we need to know it. We need to understand it. We need to immerse ourselves in it. We need to read it. We need to talk about it. My wife and I, when we go on vacations, one of the things we do is we, like, listen to a bunch of podcasts and read a bunch of books and, and talk to a bunch of people. This year was Ireland. We're doing all these things, right? Reading all these things, listening to all these things. So when you get to, and it's like cultivating your heart, this excitement. Oh, dude, look, look at this thing and that thing. And then when you get there, when we got to Ireland, driving around, and we're like, babe, is that the thing that the guy talked about? The thing? Yeah, the thing from the thing, remember? That's the thing. Whoa. And we're like really pumped. And we wouldn't have been pumped had we not cultivated our hearts towards it. And the gospel is the same way. We need to immerse ourselves into it. We need to... Um, we need to, to talk about it, to gain understanding. When you peer into the depths of the gospel, when you plumb the richness of it, when you think about what Christ was willing to do for you, for you, the pain he was willing to walk into, how much he has sought after and desired you, you, I promise you, you will change. And I promise you that the mission of God will begin to excite you. Um, so, so, you know, what, um, wait, hang on, where am I? Okay, so if someone examined your life, would they find this immersion? If not, I invite you into that, to spend time in God's words daily. Let him hear what he wants to say about his son and about his gospel. Um, talk with a community of faith about it. Share about it with one another. So maybe you're doing this, maybe you're immersed, um, and, uh, and you love the gospel, your love for the gospel is growing. Maybe you're not. Um, if someone examined your life, they wouldn't see that. Again, I, I want to invite you into that. Allow God to change your love and your desire for his gospel so that it overflows like the mom who's posting on social media. So that it overflows like the hunter who's just like going like 0.0 miles an hour. So, so this kind of brings us to like, if, if, we, if, if God brings our heart to this place, we're excited about it. We then ask this. What do we, um, this, <laughs> what do we actually do to live on God's mission well? Like, what do we do? Like, how do we do that? And so, um, and, and the first thing is this. You have to know and love people that don't know Jesus. They have to be in your life. But clearly, they're in Paul's life all the time. 
right? He's talking about the different types of people groups that he's spending time with. You have to look at them and appreciate the way that God has made them, the specific gifts that, that God has given to them. Um, and, and, you know, how do we get to know someone? We enter into their world. How have you made the friends that you've made? You're spending time talking about the thing, deep things in life, shallow things in life, things they like, things they don't like. What do they like to eat? Where do they like to go? You're entering into their world and experiencing their experience. And it's going to give you, it's going to build friendship. And it's going to build an appreciation and a love for them. Um, so, you know, w- w- what does this look like? It's, it's going to restaurants that they like to go to. It's, if you don't, if, if they're a huge hummus fan and you've never had hummus in your life, guess who's trying hummus? <laughs> if uh, it's books that they like, it's, it's everything in between that regular life together includes, right? Um, so do you have people in your life that you could name? Do you have people in your life that God has put there and you know he has, you know he's put them there, that you could name that he's sending you to? that you love and you treasure, that don't know Jesus, that he's sending you to? Who is it? Um, what do we actually do to live, God's on, uh, live on God's mission? Uh, knowing and loving people that don't know Jesus? Here's the next one. We see that Paul has a plan for this. He's not just walking randomly. He's thought about it. He's decided where he's going for specific reasons and who he's going to. Let's see what he says here. I have become all things... To all people, that by all means, I might save some. Paul isn't just messing around. Like, he's got a plan. He's, he's, he's thought about it. Think about the big things in your life that you've planned for. If, if some of you went to college, did you think about that a little bit before you went? Before you signed the dotted line to 120 grand or whatever it was? Maybe you went to state school and it was like, I don't even, like 30 grand or something? I don't know. Um, like, the other big, the big things in your life that, that you have planned for naturally, new jobs, how much more important is the gospel of God? How much more important is people's relationship with their creator? That can we not plan for that? Can we not think specifically? You're going to a Broncos game. You're looking at com- at least comparing ticket prices. Um, this is, this is going to be some of the most impactful decisions that you make in your life, that the ripples of which echo out into eternity. It deserves thought and plan and intentionality. Um, so where will you go? Who will you go to who's already in your life? What rhythms will you build in? Maybe you got Thursday nights free, and that's the time that you really try and devote to it. Maybe these, these bars or these coffee shops or these restaurants that you frequent are closer to somebody that can come with you. How can you be thoughtful and plan weekly, daily, monthly to involve people in your life like this? Um, and, you know, this, this intentionality is going to take time, this, this, the time that you spend with people that don't know Jesus, for them to kind of, like, maybe come around. It's going to take time. Think about how long it took for you. For some of you, maybe some of you were raised Christians, but some of you who became Christians later, how long what, did you convert the first time you heard the name Jesus? Or did it take months, years? I, uh, some of you know that uh, in my real life outside of church, I'm kidding. In my, in my daily job, one of the, I sell pork rinds. That's what I do. Some people are like, that's weird, you sell pork rinds. They're cool pork rinds. They're like premium specialty pork rinds. 
<laughs> this lady the other day uh, described him as gentrified pork rinds. And I was like, oh, okay, that actually kind of makes sense. So the other day, I, you know, I go to trade shows, and, and I'm selling to, like, retailers and stuff. I go to trade shows, and one of the things I also do is people come up and taste it. And, you know, some, sometimes people have tried it, sometimes people have not. So the other day, I'm at this trade show, and this, uh, this gal comes up from upstate New York. Her name was Fran. And I'm like, Fran. I see her name badge, just call her name out. She's like, what, how do you know my, oh, okay, I got a name tag. I'm like, yeah. She walks up, and I was like, Fran, you wanna try these? This is the first natural pork rind, man. You wanna try this? And she was like, what, no, I don't wanna try that. And I was like, oh, hang on, Fran, hang on. Why, why did you wanna try this? And I'm like selling her, I'm you know, spinning this, I'm trying to, to convince her and, and persuade her and why she should try these pork rinds. And, and I'm like, Fran, you only get one life. You, you're really not going to try these? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, Fran, do you or do you not like bacon? And she's like, I mean, yeah, I like bacon. I'm like, then you're probably going to like these. And she's like, okay, I'm going to try them. And I was like, great. And I pulled up a cup. I'm like, get ready to start seeing in color. <laughs> so she tried them. I don't even remember if she liked them or not. Probably not, honestly. Um, but, like, that, it took, like, 10 minutes to get her to try a pork rind. Like, when we're talking about, like, talking about people about Jesus, maybe they were raised in completely different contexts. Maybe they hate Christianity. It, it's going to take time. And think about the patience that God had for you. And we can at least do that for those that don't know Jesus. So, um, so this is the last one. What do we actually do is the question. This is the last one. Uh, you have to do this in and with the community of God, not by yourself. This is what the Bible calls us to. John 13, I think it's 11, says, by this all people will, this is Jesus talking, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. How are they going to see your love for one another within the church if the church isn't there? Yeah, you're going to have opportunities in your personal life, your personal ministry, where work and the, and the whole church isn't to work with you, but... How are you thinking about ways to expose them to the community of faith? Are they going to get to see the way that we as the church love and support each other when we're going through suffering? Are they going to get to witness that? Or are you just going to do that yourself? Are you going to invite them into that? In your weekly rhythms, wherever you're going to eat, with your wife or your singleness or whatever, are you going to, are, are you going to bring them into that? And your church friends, are you going to blend those worlds? Because look, mission is, at the end of the day, it's us going to them. Like, we don't get to walk around and be like, hey, come to church. That's, I mean, that will happen eventually, and that's a good thing. But mission is us going to them. It's sent. So the first thing that needs to happen is we go to them, and we bring the community of faith to them. We meet them in their place. Um, so, know them, plan it and be intentional about it, and do it with community. And don't forget... The Spirit of God will help you, and it's him that saves. It's the Spirit of God that saves, not you. Um, so pray and invite him into it. Ask him to work. Ask him to move in their heart and to use you to do it, because the Spirit of God cannot wait to be invited into that. You think, like, if you're in a place where you love and cherish your friends that aren't Christians and you seek to have them know the gospel, think about how much more the Holy Spirit wants that. And who's got more power? Who can do it? So pray and invite him in.
Don't, don't shun that. Don't turn a blind eye to what he can do. Miraculous things can happen when you invite the Spirit of God into it. Um, uh, one time I was uh, flying from, I think it was Oakland to L.A. I was in college. I was like 19. And I, uh, <laughs> I, I was reading this fiction book about Christianity. It was, it was okay. I'm not even going to say what it was. It's not even worth it. But like it was whatever. And I'm reading this book, and um, I sit in the middle seat. This is back before I had airline status, so I was in peasant class. As one of my friends like to say, and uh, I was, uh, I sat in the middle seat, and this uh, gal sat next to me, and we're flying. It's like a 45, 50-minute flight from LA to, uh, or from Oakland to LA, and I'm sitting there, and I look over, and she's reading a book, and it's like this, you know, it's basically this like, not, it's not a Christian book, but it's like a completely competing philosophy and religion that's very much against Christianity, and I see that, and I'm just kind of like, wow, that's that's wild, and I'm reading through my book, and. And then all of a sudden, I felt this like insane just feeling wash over me. I, I can't even really describe it. It was like this electric current that started coming up and down my spine. And I felt the Spirit of God tell me, you need to talk to her about the gospel. And this has never happened to me in my life. Like I'm a Christian, but like, I don't, not a good one. <laughs> I'm like 19, and, but I hear very clearly to the point where like, if, if the head plane landed and I hadn't done that, I was going to feel so bad because I was so sure that the Spirit of God had been speaking to me in this moment. And I was like, well, God, give me, give me an opportunity to do this. I'm just going to chill until you, like, open that door. And I'm sitting there. <laughs> she falls asleep, dude. She falls asleep. And then the captain comes on. He's like, we're making our descent into the Los Angeles area. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, I'm, listen, I'm done. I'm done for. And then I was like, I got to do this. And I reached over, and I woke her up. <laughs> and I was like, if this is the end, God, remember me that I was willing to do this. And I woke her up, and she was like, hey. And I was like, hey. <laughs> and she was like, I was like, uh, what are you reading? <laughs> like, I didn't, know what to, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I was probably twice as much a moron as any of you were in college. And I was just sit, sitting there, like, I shook her awake. And she's like, well, I was like, what are you reading? And she's like, oh, well. And she was like, happy to talk about it after this weird 19-year-old shook her up. And I, and I was sitting there, and, and she... Um, and she's like, yeah, you know, and she's talking to me about the book, and she talks about, also in this book, it talks about Revelation. Have you ever read that in the Bible? And I was like, yeah, um, you know, I, uh, I wanted to talk to you because I feel like God wants me to talk about the gospel with you. And I was like, I'm going to jail. <laughs> and, and, and then she looks at me, and she's like, What? And I was like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and, I was, and, uh, and she's like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, that's insane because I was sitting in the, in the terminal waiting for this plane to take off. And I was reading this book and I was so confused. And I just started praying and I said, God, how can I know who you are? How can I know you? There's so much out there. So many competing philosophies and religions and books. How do I know who you are? You need to tell me. You need to tell me who you are. And I was like, whoa. I was like, okay, you ready? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And we start talking. I started to share the gospel with her. I had like no verses memorized. I, like, I knew it. 
And we talked about like the, the authority of the Bible and how it's Christ that saves. And we learn about him there. And we're talking about I mean, we probably had like five, ten minutes. And we went through that, and that was it. And I got off the plane. She was staying on to the next plane. Her name was Carrie. And I got off, and I was just like, what on earth just happened? And I was just rejoicing in the goodness of God. I was like, well, that was crazy. I'm walking away rejoicing in that, in the way that the Holy Spirit worked. So how do we live a life on God's mission? His mission in the world, his call to us to make disciples. We confess, like we talked about, the things in our heart that keep us from that, the fear, the comforts, the apathy. We repent we delight our hearts in the gospel and in, in Jesus that the gospel is about and grow that. Um, we love and befriend people that don't know him. We make a plan to do it and we do it in community. Um, you know, like when I think about that story, like, yeah, it was cool that it was supernatural. That was really cool. First time that's ever happened to me. And, but you know, like after that, what kept me awake at night when I thought about that as, as time went on and I thought about that, it just blew my mind more and more that I got to see God's desire for this woman. I got to see the way that he sought after her and was like, Adam, talk to her about me. And like, I was just camping out on that. I'm like, who is this God that he does this? Who is he? How amazing is he that he does this? And you know what? Like, God doesn't just want to deal with her. God wants to do that with you and your friends. He wants to make that look like a wedding sparkler, man. Like, he wants to do such amazing things with your friends and your family that don't know him. So who will you go to? Will you obey God in this? Again, he doesn't need you, but he wants you. So go to them. So when we take communion... We remember the gospel. We remember what our Lord did to bring us into his family. The sacrifice, the costly sacrifice that he made. The suffering that he walked into. That we might be with him and enjoy him for eternity. And when we take communion, we remember that. So let's pray. God, I... Uh, I thank you that you seek us. God, you've gone to such great lengths to bring us into your fold. You are not apathetic. Your heart just runs after us. And you are working now all over the world. And God, we ask that you change our hearts to do this with you. We ask that you help us to confess the barriers and the sins that keep us from joining with you in what you have called us to. God, we ask that you send us to specific people, that you give us the, uh, the strength and the courage and just the words, the words to speak um, accurately about who you are. And we ask, God, that, that you would save our friends and family and that you would give us the great pleasure and blessing and undeserved gift of watching them be saved. We ask that, God. We know that it's your heart's desire. 
We pray this in your son's Jesus' name. Your son Jesus' name.